Hey, I'm Jason Gray. Hey, this is Sarah Gross. Hey, I'm Andrew Osinga. Hi, this is Michael Carr. Hey, this is Andrew Peterson, and you're listening to Voices in My Head. And this is me, so let's have some exciting music. Who is me, you ask? Well, me is Rick Lee James, and this is my podcast, Voices in My Head. We've got a great show for you this week, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. I am your host, Rick Lee James, and this is episode number 86. My guest today is Ben Gowell, an extraordinary producer, guitarist, worship leader, and we're going to tell you more about him in just a minute, and I'm going to get to share the conversation that I had with him just a couple of hours ago. But before I do that, I have a few announcements to make. Always got to give these little announcements at the beginning. Um, Today, this is a very important one. If you hear no other announcement today... Listen to this one, please. You've been hearing me talk for a while about this book that I've been writing that's almost complete. Well, guess what? The book is ready. And we are going to need some help to get it published, though, because books are expensive. Um, we've started the campaign over at Kickstarter. If you go to rickleejames.com, you can find information on how to get uh, exactly to the Kickstarter site. Um, it, it, my goal, actually, is I want to uh, be able to print 100 books. It's not a whole lot initially, um, but included with the cost of what I'm going to be paying uh, to have the book published, it's also going to be released in ebook form uh, in every format across every place on the internet that sells ebooks. And so I think the initial um, 100 printing will be good, but it's still expensive. So I need to raise about $1,000. And uh, we have 30 days to do it. Actually, at the time of this, because the Kickstarter has been going on for a little while now, uh, we've got about 28 days left by the time you're going to be hearing this pod uh, on the podcast. So if you could help at all, uh, please. Um, it's not just asking you for something for nothing. Um, there's all kinds of incentives on there. Many of you know, if you've listened to this before, that I have a new Christmas single coming out. It's completely recorded now. It's being mixed and mastered uh, as we speak, or at least in the vicinity of as we speak. Maybe the engineer is sleeping right now. I don't know, but it's being mixed, mastered, all that good stuff. Uh, One of the prizes is you're going to be able to get that Christmas single as an exclusive. Uh, You can get an autographed copy of the book, depending on what your donation is. Uh, You can even, uh, at a certain donation level, get onto the podcast as a guest. So that's a great one. Um, You can get me to come to uh, where you live to do a concert. I'll be doing a concert for you at a certain level of donating. Um, so it's it's never something for nothing. Um, even at the lowest levels, you'll get a mention in the book uh, or on the website of the book, a uh, special thank you. So if you can give in any way at all, I'm, I'm begging you. I'm not above begging for this. I really want to publish this book and have it out before Christmas. Um, if you can give, go to Kickstarter. Look up Out of the Depths. That is the name of the book, Out of the Depths. A Songwriter's Journey Through the Psalms. Um, it is a accompaniment to the Basement Psalms Live. Uh, please share it on your Facebook page, on Twitter, everything you have, all your social networks. I need your help. Uh, 30 days isn't a lot of time. $1,000 isn't a huge amount to raise, um, but if you don't help, we're not going to get there. I really do need your help on this. So enough of that. Uh, another way you can keep up and another way you can find out about what's going on in Rick Lee James's world, uh, get the iTunes, 
easy for me to say. Get the iTunes app, the Rick Lee James iTunes app. Just look up Rick Lee James or Rick Lee James mobile app whenever you're in the iTunes app store. It's absolutely free. You can download it. You can get music. You can get videos. You can find out all the updates, everything that's going on in the world of Rick Lee James, including this Kickstarter campaign. And um, let's see, I think that's about it for announcements right now. I'll have some more at the end of the show. Um, but let me tell you about Ben Gal. My guest today is Ben Gal, and he is somebody that I met several years ago when I was at a songwriter's retreat. Uh, Paul Belosh was there with his band, and it so happens that Ben Gal was in the band with Paul Belosh. And Ben not only was playing for Paul that week, but every other artist that came up. Don Moen was there. Um, let's see, who else? I think Reuben Morgan was there. Um, I believe, was Jason Ingram there? I can't even remember. It's been so long ago. Uh, but he played for everybody. Um, Dave Lubin. I know Dave Lubin was there. I did a Dave Lubin song a few weeks ago on the show, uh, Speak to Me. Uh, it was a great time. And somehow throughout the course of that weekend, Ben and I uh, had several conversations. Uh, we talked guitar stuff. I got to play him some music. And I played him the song, We Lost the G, which... Uh, many of you know it's my little corny, funny song, and so we swap CDs, and you know how that goes among friends and musicians. Um, so anyway, about a year went by, really didn't have a lot of communication with Ben. Went to another writer's retreat, and I'm in an airport, and I hear somebody behind me start singing, We just wanted singers, but we lost the G. And I turn around, and it was Ben Gal standing there and uh, had remembered my song, had remembered me from the retreat the year before, was heading to the same retreat uh, where Paul Belosh was going to be again. We were going to be on the same plane. We were meeting a connection. So we ended up uh, sitting together, chatting some more in the airport, had a great time, uh, and again, played for some amazing artists that were there. Uh, Lincoln Brewster was at that retreat. Uh, he played for Paul Belosh. He played for Lincoln Brewster, if memory serves. He played for... Uh, Michael Gungor, who was there, uh, Michael Gungor and his uh, lovely wife, they were both there together, and um, I mean, this was before Gungor was Gungor, you know, I mean, this this was uh, back in the early days, so through the years, uh, I got to know Ben uh, a little bit more, a lot of time passed, probably been like 10 years, um, surely not that long, Can't cannot have been 10 years. Well, it probably was. But anyway, happened to see uh, that Ben was coming with Paul Belosh once again um, to a Cedarville University function just a few miles away from me. And I was going to be going, and I looked him up, and I sent him a message, and I said, Hey, are you going to be at the Paul Belosh thing? And he said, Yeah, man, see you there. So we uh, kind of crossed paths again, and uh, throughout all that, I said, hey, would you like to come on the podcast sometime? Because uh, he's actually in Arizona as a music pastor now at a, a small church of only about 20,000 people. And uh, <laughs> he said, yeah, sure. So we set it up. Uh, he's an extremely busy guy. Um, like I said, he's a, he's a full-time music pastor. Uh, he's a full-time dad. He's a full-time husband. He's a, also a full-time on-the-road guitarist with Paul Belosh. Uh, he's also um, a producer. Um, he produced several tracks on Sarah Groves' new collection, and uh, they're on, on this collection that Sarah Groves put out. You remember Sarah Groves last year? You're here at the beginning of the podcast. She says, hi, I'm Sarah Groves. Um, but Sarah Groves has this new collection out, which is really good and there's uh, three or four new tracks on that and Ben produced and played on those tracks that are new on Sarah Groves albums so 
it's a great conversation, and I got to talk to Ben about numerous things. I want to apologize. Um, sometimes Skype, the connection's always not always real good. I think you're going to be able to hear everything really well, but I think sometimes with me, um, things were cutting in and out just a little bit, so there might be just a little bit of wonkiness in the sound. Uh, but it's worth your time to listen to what Ben has to say. Everything he says is super clear, and uh, he's the one you really want to hear in this episode anyway. So I want to say thank you once again to Ben Gal for being a part of this podcast. We're going to start today. Uh, I'm going to be playing a song that uh, we got to the core, and Ben said this was maybe his favorite riff that he's ever played um, on a Paul Balash album. It's a song he wrote with Paul Balash called You Have Saved Us. At the end of the podcast, I'm going to play a song uh, by Sarah Groves that he produced and played on, and you can just kind of hear um, how diverse he is as a musician and uh, just the way that he's able to play different styles and the way that he's able to produce, and you can also just hear his heart shining through. So let's, uh, without any further hesitation, get into our time with Ben Gal. Here's his song with Paul Balash, where he is playing the electric guitar. You've called us out and made us new You 
Ben Gal is a session guitarist and producer based out of Phoenix, Arizona. He has played on many studio recordings, including projects by Paul Balash, Michael W. Smith, Sarah Groves, and others. He has traveled the world teaching classes and seminars on electric guitar. He is also the music pastor at Christ Church of the Valley in Phoenix, Arizona. Ben Gal, welcome to the Voices in My Head podcast. Yeah, man, good to be with you. Yeah, it's uh, it's not been that long ago since we actually saw each other. Uh, you were at Cedarville with Paul Balas just a few weeks ago, and I got to see you and hang out with you just a little bit there. That's right, man, Ohio, correct? Yeah, yes, Ohio, the the state that's starting to turn cold now. But uh, it's, it's, it's starting to get beautiful here in Arizona, man. This is the time to be down here for sure. Oh, I bet. I, I, the last time I was in Arizona was over a decade ago. I was in Phoenix. And it was one of the hottest days they'd ever had on record. Somebody outside literally cracked an egg on the sidewalk, and it was frying when I walked by. <laughs> so, yeah, not, not many places in the U.S. can you get that to happen. No, that's true. It's pretty cool. But um, anyway, well, thanks for taking some time to be here on Voices in My Head today. Um, it, it's always a pleasure to get to talk to you and to get to hear you play guitar, and, and you're a very talented guy. But I just have to ask you at the beginning today, because... Um, mostly when we've talked, it's been at writer's retreats or, or whatever, you know, and, um, I'm just curious, do you have any hobbies outside of music? Uh, anything that just, you know, you enjoy? Cause I always have people on here. I try to find out, uh, stuff that they would talk about that they wouldn't usually talk about in an interview or in a classroom sure. type setting. Yeah. Well, I love, uh, I love playing sports. I used to be a three sport guy playing soccer, baseball, uh, basketball, in high school, played some, so I don't get to play very often, but I love going outside, getting exercise, doing, you know, playing some ball. Um, I also, uh, actually, chess is a big hobby of mine, man. Oh, which wow. I'm, I'm currently a little out of practice, but, uh, yeah, chess has always been one of my big hobbies. Playing, playing friends in college, got into some tournaments uh, through the years. And, um, yeah, man, board games, playing Scrabble. My my parents were actually both English teachers, so Scrabble was playing Scrabble was a necessity in our house when I was growing up, and uh, got uh, got you know seriously whipped into shape by my folks and their their vocabulary and their grammar skills. So yeah, board games, man, love doing that with my family. Um, I was I've been doing some martial arts training. I was in it years ago, kind of got back in it since moving here to Arizona as well, getting back into martial arts stuff. So, yeah, trying to stay physically active and uh I guess with chess and the and scrabble keeping the brain exercised as well. It's good. That's fantastic. You you know what? You remind me a little bit of um do you know Andy Gullihorn by any chance? Man, I know the name. We have many mutual friends, but I don't believe we've ever met. Oh, okay. Uh well, Andy, yeah, he plays guitar for Andrew Peterson and for his wife is Jill Phillips and he plays for Jill Phillips and he was here on the podcast a couple weeks ago. And uh, that guy is a game nut. He makes up games. I mean, it's just unbelievable all the stuff. But uh... my my brother actually turned into he's he's a board game designer. I mean, not full time, but that's one of the things he does on the side is uh, inventing these pretty legitimate board games. So it definitely runs in the family, man. Wow, that's pretty neat. So now, are you a are you a words with friend person online? You know the the uh, the internet's version of Scrabble. Yeah, I was when I first got my iPhone. Played it for probably a year, and then I realized I was I was devoting too much time to it and not enough time to, <laughs> to other things that I should be doing. So it sat dormant for a little while, but I did enjoy it. 
Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of like that with the Simpsons tapped out game on my uh, iPad. I spend, you know, a, a few minutes a day on there playing and I'm always, it's very addicting. So, <laughs> right <on>. anyway. <laughs> well, great. Well, it's good to know that about you. I had a feeling for some reason you were a game person, but I wasn't sure. I always find that very interesting. But, well, yeah. Well, last time I saw you uh, was just a few weeks ago. They were in Ohio at Cedarville University. I was actually at Cedarville last night speaking to some of the students, so it's a it's a, a very close drive for me to get to go to Cedarville. But yeah, man. Um, you were playing something, and I didn't get to comment on this, but you were showing us how you loop things with your reverb pedal, and I think you started playing uh, "Slow Dancing in a Burning Room" by John Mayer. Okay. And, yeah. And I was like, wow, I wonder how many people know what he's playing, because that's awesome. But <laughs> Yeah, that, that, uh, that record, man, particularly particularly his Continuum record is one of my favorites. Probably my top five yeah. records of all time. So much, so many great songs, and just the mix and the production on that album is killer. Oh, Certainly, yeah. See the playing and all that, too. But just such a great-sounding record to keep coming back to and just listening to on wherever that's 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 probably my top five for sure oh yeah he's got like a real almost classic like i don't know maybe sort of a it's kind of bluesy in some ways it's it's a weird mix of like pop and rhythm and blues and stuff like that but that's such a great album i also like his his live album that he does with the trio and everything good stuff yeah, man. but um well anyway that just was one of the the things that you played whenever you were there with us in the room there was probably gosh that room was pretty packed you had a lot of people coming to to hear you and uh, hear your lecture and thing about guitar playing and uh it was i think you actually started the day you were playing uh oh it was white christmas i remember yeah yeah, yeah that's guitar. that's usually uh that's it's one of a few of my handout passing jazz chord melody songs that I default to. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's fantastic. It sounded really good. And and now that we're in a, a Christmas mood, I was just in the studio this week because uh, I was recording a single this year. I was doing a cover of Christmas Time is Here and uh, playing like some jazz guitar parts and stuff like that. And, awesome. Uh, so I'm in the I'm in the mood for some Christmas jazz music at this point. But yeah, well, you know, it's it's kind of been a, it's kind of been one of those years for me because we did a new Christmas record for Paul Balash. We recorded it in May and June of this year. Mm-hmm. Which was just odd, man. I mean, getting in the Christmas spirit uh, in the summer months, <laughs> trying trying to to get the Christmas inspiration going was uh, we got that you know halfway through the year, and then uh, we're also just starting for my church here in Arizona. We're kicking off Christmas planning here this month. Just kind of got into our first couple of arrangements we're working on. So it's been it's been a uh, it's been a Christmassy Christmassy year in general for me, man. Yeah, and music pastors are like the only ones that start thinking about Christmas in July, I think, a lot of times, you know, as far as what they're going to do, so that's great. Well, you you mentioned when you were in there, and I didn't realize it at the time, but that you also play guitar not only for Paul Belosh, but for Sarah Groves, and um, I I didn't realize that at all. I had her on the podcast here maybe a year ago. Oh? Uh, yeah, she was so nice to talk to. I, have you played on any of her albums, or have you? are you mostly just in a road band, or a little of both? Or? I have, yeah, some of both. I played on the road with Sarah for probably four or five years, pretty pretty consistently, um and uh played on let's see i don't know three three or four records of hers maybe um guitar stuff she and i actually worked together uh she just released a greatest hits collection 
uh, a couple like actually it just came out about a month ago. Yeah, the collection. A, yeah, a collection. Yeah, I, I produced four new songs that we worked on for that collection. So, oh, cool. Uh, was just in Minneapolis working with her this summer on uh, recording those four new tracks. Ton of fun. She's amazing, man. I mean, she's all around from uh, just her, she and her husband Troy are great people, dear, really dear friends of mine. Um, but artistically from a songwriting angle as a vocalist, she's just really fun to work with. Um, so I was, was a lot of fun working on that project. Yeah. Least. I was, I was actually just, uh, putting my son to sleep a little while ago and we were listening to that album. The, the first couple tracks in there are pretty mellow and they kind of ca- calm him right down. So it was real nice. But <laughs> um, now, now which tracks on that collection, uh, did you say you produced and, and well, let me pick up a hard copy of the album but i think they bookended so i think it's a two disc set mm-hmm. i think each disc is bookended with a new track so it starts the, the whole thing starts off with a new track and then uh, at the end of the first disc the start of the second disc and then the, the end of the second disc i believe is how they laid it out okay all right and see that's that's the weird thing about the digital age now too because i'll buy them on like the amazon cloud players so i can listen to them anywhere and the the bad thing about that is I don't get to see liner notes anymore, you know, because it's like I don't know who's playing on what. Uh, but it yeah. is it's very convenient because, like, everywhere I go, I can listen to it, you know, on the devices oh. and stuff. But that's cool. I had no idea that, that you had produced some of those tracks. That's awesome. Yeah, we actually we recorded them in a, uh, you know, I, I won't go into it too deep, but they, they bought a church in St. Paul, Minnesota, actually in, in my old neighborhood, and started a thing called the Art House in that church where they're having um, guest speakers, authors of books, different artists come in and do small concerts, just kind of a community arts center. Um, and so we went, it was back in May of this year, uh, she and the band, we, we rented a portable recording system and just set up gear in the church there. And, and that's where we recorded these four songs. So hmm. it was kind of kind of special to do it in that location as well. Uh you know just kind of what that's that that part of the journey in their lives and what that means to them at this point it was it was cool to track there sure that's neat that's really cool um actually it's funny you mentioned andy gullihorn i think he's doing a concert there like next month oh november he's going to be there he's a good friend of sarah and troy's as well wow so it's just kind of they've kind of turned it into an actual like ongoing venue then yeah you know limited it's, it's not being used all the time for that but you know, I think just various different types of events, they'll open it up. I think once a month maybe is their goal to have some sort of an event that uh, is arts-focused and reaches out to the community in that way. That's fantastic. That's yeah, great. It's really cool. And, and, you know, old churches are, are really cool for that kind of thing, too. I mean, if if no other thing, just look at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville. That's one of the great old churches that's become a great music venue. Amazing so, place, man, for sure. Yeah. Well, let me ask let me ask you this as a guitarist because you've played on a lot of recordings and you've traveled with a lot of people and I, I think you've even um, kind of crafted some some riffs and things that have kind of become I, I don't know if I'd say iconic but sort of in the worship world because you know people try to emulate those things when they hear the recordings. Do you have a favorite song and it doesn't have to be you know Paul Balash or Michael W. Smith or Sarah Groves or any of those. Uh, it could be one of any of them. But do you have like a favorite song that you can remember um, coming up with the riff for that you still kind of think, yeah, I really, I really like that one still a lot. Oh, geez, man, put me on the spot with that. Uh, boy, um, you know, I think, 
Gosh. Paul's Paul's first record that I played on uh, the Greater Song album. Great album, yeah. Yeah, that that I don't know. Maybe it's kind of nostalgic for me. It was one of the first larger scale albums I got to play on with Paul. A couple songs like Hosanna and you know because of your love. I think there was some guitar stuff there. There was some extended guitar solos for one thing. Yeah. But I don't know. There's some cool hooks on there that I still look back to, and you know I think maybe partially because those songs were kind of widely used that those are those stick out to me perhaps um let's see off the uh geez um you know sarah's music is a little more textural and you know her her music is more focused around the piano so so it's not not so much like riff guitar riff driven stuff it's more mm-hmm. guitars are more colorful and sure uh kind of fill in the shape of the songs but um boy i uh, I don't know that I would, I don't know that I'd be na- be able to narrow it down like a favorite song per yeah. se. Um, I don't know. You got any thoughts on that? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I just always enjoy so much just the way that your your guitar playing kind of fills in um, the, the parts. I, I don't know how else to say it other than it kind of fills in spaces that are missing, you know, in a song. And I think you do such a really good job of that. And uh, and sometimes like in, in a song like. Um, Oh, let's say like a song like on Paul Balazs, Our God Saves or something like that. You know, there's something about even just some of the simple riffs that you do with the little delay on it. And it just it it becomes like the part of the song that really sticks in my head anyway. You know? that, yeah, Our God Saves, that's probably another example of one where people often will ask me, you know, how did you play that riff? That That's one that, that seems to intrigue people some, too. Mm-hmm. Um, partially because it's drop tuned. So for that song, I I... It's got the delay on there, but I'm also drop tuning to dadgad tuning, D A D G A D. Yeah. Yeah. So it gets, you know, most most commonly used on acoustic guitar. Um, but that was one where when Paul came into the studio to show us the song for the first time, he was capoed up really high, like on the seventh fret on his acoustic and kind of jangling these really high chord changes up there, almost mandolin like. Mm-hmm. And so it made me think, you know, well, what if I just drop tune this and and we kind of reverse roles for this song? You know, normally he would be in a first position, you know, lower chord shapes, and I would be hanging higher up on the neck. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of a unique example of a song where we switched roles and I drop tune and I'm playing kind of a lower, beefier sounding riff and he's jangling up high. Kind of kind of interesting that way. Sure. Well, and I think you uh, you wrote the song with him. Uh, you have saved us, if I'm not mistaken. Is that, that yeah? A lot too, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a great one as well. So, I just feel that like you've created so many good ones. Overall, my favorite riff that I've that I've come up with for Paul's stuff, at least. Um, yeah, I don't know. The tone we got on that feels really cool. I like I like that part a lot. Yeah. If I- I may if I may be so bold. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's exactly what I was looking for. I, maybe we have narrowed it down and found the one yes. at this point. <laughs> no, that's great. But I I really feel like that's a, an awesome gift that you have, and and just you know I know it's been a lot of years of crafting and hard work and being able to to do something like that. But you guys all play together so well, and I know that um, so many of those songs have served even just the church that I serve at. You know, so many times, whether it's Our God Saves, Hosanna, probably everyone you've mentioned, we've uh, you know they found their way into our uh, weekly playlist at one time or another. And um, and in particular, our God saves. You know, I just think of that one as one that 
um, people just so resonate with that. It's it's one of those that I just see hands go up all over the room and oh, people start we, singing. And we were talking about that. I was saying that to Paul the last event we did uh, just two weeks back. I was saying the same thing. Like we were looking through the set list, and just our God saves every time, man. People just sing that out so loud and, and are so engaged with it. So that that's definitely been a mainstay in the set. And it's one of those two that I, I don't I don't know how long ago this started. It seemed like you know maybe ten years back or so there was a little bit of a shift in the way that worship music was done, and you had a lot of these songs that and maybe it's because pop music started doing this too. But you know where the songs will start off soft and then really big up build up to a big point, you know. And I can remember our God saves just being one of those songs that you kind of think it's starting out really kind of low key, and then by the time you get to the chorus, you're just like all through the roof, you know. <laughs> and, right, right, and sure. I love it. So, well, that's 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 been fun to talk about because I I just I know that our listeners that are listening they may not have even known it was you whenever they listen to songs like that. I always find it intriguing to find out who the players are. Um, I think about have, have you ever by the way this will be a little rabbit trail here, but did yeah. you ever see a documentary? It's probably been, gosh. 10 to 15 years ago now, but a documentary called, I think it was called Standing in the Shadows of Motown. No. Um, you should check it out sometime because talk about players that you never really knew existed, but who created a sound. Um, it's, it's a bunch of, uh, it's a bunch of guys that they used on almost every Motown recording, uh, back whenever it was in its biggest days. And they sold more records than I think it was the Beatles and Elvis and the Rolling Stones combined. <laughs> I think is what it was. And nobody knew who they were because, like, you just never, it was like people would come in, like, Smokey Robinson or whoever and, and sing over these tracks or Marvin Gaye and different ones. And, yeah. and so they basically are just these obscure musicians nobody has ever heard of. Um, but they did this great documentary about them, and it, and they bring as many of them that were still alive. They bring them back for this concert, and like Ben um, Ben Harper comes out and sings a few songs with them, and they sing some of these classic old Motown stuff. And they're still just as good as they ever were. I mean, just great players. Wow, you know that that makes me think of one I just saw, a uh, documentary that came out about Mul Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Uh huh. Uh, really cool as well, man. Just a unique story. I don't. I guess it was probably the early '70s, but just they got all these people on there: Bono and uh, you know Keith Richards, and uh, just all these people talking about this this few year period where all these hits were coming out of Muscle Shoals, from Aretha Franklin to you know the the Rolling Stones did some stuff there. Um, just this small town in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Alabama that just became this music hotbed for a few years. It's a, it was a really cool documentary to see. Wow. That yeah. sounds like a good one. I'm going to have to check that one out, too. Yeah, check it out. It just came out. You can get it on iTunes or whatever. I'm kind of addicted to uh, to documentaries since I got Amazon Prime because uh, it seems like they have all these documentaries that I've never heard of before, and then I get watching them, and I get sucked in. So that's sure. true. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, while we have a few minutes left here, we could probably talk about music stuff all night. But I actually would like to pick your brain just a little bit as uh, a music minister, because I know you wear a lot of hats. You're not only traveling with a lot of uh, really great musicians who are doing a lot for the church, 
Um, but you're often leading yourself, and I don't think that's the side that most people ever get to see, unless you're, of course, at your church in Arizona <laughs> or wherever yep, that yep. may be. And uh, I'd love for you to talk to us just a few minutes, maybe about just some of the joys and maybe even some of the challenges of uh, of doing worship leading in a local setting. Yeah, man. I mean, boy, the the joys of it. I mean, I think uh, it's something I've done for a long time. I guess I got started doing it in junior high youth group and kind of helped out at my church that I was growing up at and uh, kind of have done it ever since. I did I did get on the road out of out of college playing more backup electric guitar for Paul and kind of some opportunities opened up that way. But it's been something I've always I've always been a part of a local church. Um, my wife and I were in Minneapolis, started a church plant that we were a part of for 10 years, that even while I was traveling, when I was home, you know, I would lead worship there. And when I was gone, my wife would step in and lead. Um, I've always felt the importance of being plugged in at a local church uh, in the midst of my travels and in the midst of kind of, you know, getting into the music industry more. I think, I think being plugged in with the same group of people for the most part on a week to week basis who, who know you, who know, you know, um, your, you know, some of your faults, having some friends that you can trust and dig into a community with where you're around. You're not, you're not just traveling in for a weekend and then out. I mean, you can be any, any sort of person, uh, when you're, when you're traveling, it's just easier. You don't have to, you don't have to, um, confess things to people you don't have to be in a long-term relationship you can just kind of go and do your thing and be out which is great uh you know you can encourage people that way and you can hopefully be a blessing to them but i think there's something that grounds your life and gives you a foundation to work from when you're really plugged into a local church and serving in a community like that with all of its imperfections and all the things that you get frustrated with and have to struggle through and go why isn't you know et cetera et cetera et cetera there's just a lot of a lot of things that are, you know, you, you would at times like to change and they're not perfect and you're working with imperfect people and you yourself, your imperfections come out. But there's something real about that, man. There's something that um, grounds you and I think makes you more effective and more believable and and um, more effective on the road when you have a place that you're you're dug into and serving living life with people where it's not just a stage thing. It's not just a performance thing. It's not just your work that you do, but you're actually living life with a group of people who know you. Um, and so I think that that's a big part of it for me. That's been healthy. Um, you know, uh, as far as leading on the weekends, I love, I love doing that. I feel like it's always been a part of, uh, a part of what I would do long-term, mm -hmm. uh, love being able to serve a group of people and lead them, in worship and have a have a group of band players and singers that I'm investing in and trying to you know help train up and encourage. Uh, I just enjoy it a lot, man. Enjoy the idea of of help you know having a, a group of people come in, many of which who who would never be singers, uh, who would not be necessarily musicians. You got people from all walks of life coming into a church service, and this is kind of their one opportunity to in essence, sing these prayers to God. I think there's a really great unifying thing about this and uh, just kind of a unique place that no other place is like other than the church where you have people come in and singing and confessing their these uh, scriptures and beliefs through music. So I think it's a really powerful thing, man. I think people coming in together, 
um, to do this is uh, is a privilege to be a part of leading that. And I, it's just something I've always enjoyed. Yeah, and there there really is something to uh, cause, cause I believe that you're you've been a long term person because I believe you spent a lot of years in uh, in Minnesota I think it was before you moved to Arizona Am I right um, Yep, my wife and I helped plant a church uh, called Valley Creek Church right out of college actually before I was done Wow uh, helped with the church planting situation and we were there for ten years before coming to Phoenix here hmm. And you've been at Phoenix for a couple of years now or I, how, two and a half years two and a half years so um, I, I know personally i've I've been at places short term and I've been here uh, at the church I, I'm at in Ohio um, in some capacity at least for the last almost twelve years now and it's it really is um, something that's hard to explain to people who haven't been long-termers at a place, just how important it is to actually become a part of the community there and not just be one that's just there uh, to lead or just maybe find your place on the platform in front of everybody, but you're actually start to be one uh, of the people and one of the community. And I, I just think that helps so much, not only for the people, but also for yourself, like you were talking about. Totally, man. I think, I think in those ways you eliminate the stage because uh, the stage can be a fun, man, just like the performance of the stage and lights and people see you on stage. And it's like, uh, I don't know, just just perhaps some of it's our culture, but just just um, it can be easy to think, you know, is that does that person struggle with anything? Do they have real life issues like I do? And I think when you get in community and you actually have real conversations with people and they see that your life isn't perfect, I think it just lends that weight and authenticity to the, when you do get up on the stage and these people know they know something about you. They know that you're not just, you know, um, living a perfect, <laughs> perfect yeah. life or have it all together all the time. There's something good about that, man. It's like so, so much of the stage with, you know, American Idol culture and whatever. It's just it's just about the uh, the glitz and the glamour of it and the, you know, the polished performance. But I think there's something encouraging to to normal folks when they see. You know, it's not just about this person being on the stage, but they're actually digging in and living life and and getting to know us. I think there's definitely something something to that. Mm. Well, uh, last night when I was up at Cedarville speaking to the students there, I was on sort of a panel with two other um, musician worship leader guys. And uh, somebody asked this question that is so broad, there's almost hardly a way that uh, anyone there could be any one answer depending on who you are it's going to be different for everybody but i thought hey i'm going to ask ben this question because we got asked it and had to answer it last night so yeah, yeah, so sure. as a worship pastor what does a typical week look like for you um yeah man so we do uh, the church that i'm at now is a very large church at least at least from where i came from in the church plant uh my church here has about twenty thousand people so it's a really big place with a few different campuses um, so the weekends, we have five services on a weekend, uh, at almost all of our campuses. So it'll be a pretty full weekend, two Saturday night services and three Sunday morning. Um, so I guess where to start, I guess Mon Monday's a day off. <laughs> I'll just start at Monday. Sure. We do a day off on Monday, try to dig in with the family and just sort of unplug as much as possible. Um, Tuesday is a pretty intense meetings day. There's a lot of uh, meetings that go on at multiple levels, both music team and we have a service programming team where kind of all the elements come together. Production and video-wise, we'll, we'll have a few different meetings throughout Tuesday. Um, Wednesday, we try to set aside, doesn't always work this way, but try to set aside as more of a closed-door 
work day for all of our people. So we'll try to work on charts and song arrangements and uh, stem track stuff on Wednesday and try to try to limit the amount of meetings that we have on Wednesday just so we can actually get a bunch of work done. Mm-hmm. Uh, occasionally do auditions and stuff on Wednesday. Thursday, we'll, we'll have a lot of prep for rehearsal. We have a Thursday night rehearsal. So Thursday, we'll come in, um, you know, kind of each get ready for that rehearsal that night, be working through the songs individually. We also do another meeting that day that sort of puts everything. We use Planning Center online. Oh, okay, so yeah. We'll do a Thursday afternoon meeting with our whole department to talk down the following weekend's um, set list and, and kind of all the elements and input, stage inputs and things like that. And then we'll do a Thursday night rehearsal. And then uh, Friday, I've kind of taken for our team, sometimes if it's a busy season, we'll come in and, and work on more stuff. Sometimes it'll be a prep day for the weekend, just keep prepping for the weekend. But it's a little bit of a flex day. Um, sometimes creative writing days, work on demoing songs or recording stuff. Uh, and sometimes just going home and resting. If it's been a really busy week, just taking Friday to prepare for the weekend so that you know by the time Saturday hits, we're not just wiped out. And then, uh, yeah, Saturday, come in in the afternoon, get ready for two services that night, and then three services Sunday morning. That's kind of a, a really quick, you know, 30,000-foot view of, of the week. But that, that's kind of – that's probably a pretty typical shell of what a week looks like for us. So I'm, I'm curious, how do you work in um, the traveling that, that you do with Paul or Sarah or different ones in the midst of all that? Do you have a set number of weeks a year that you uh, you take off to do that, or how does that work? Yeah, I, do. I have a set number of weekends that I take off. So I had when we, when we came to this position, there was some, you know, just talk about what that would look like. So I have some, some flexibility on some weekends throughout the year that I'll use uh, to travel and still do conferences and things like that, as well, as well as occasional flex time during the week to go do um, things like that. That was important for me in coming on. I, I wanted to come off the road quite a bit from where I was. You know, I was on the road quite a lot before we m- made this move. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> so I knew I wanted to be around certainly more. My wife and I were having kids, but but still wanted some flexibility. I love getting out and doing the conference thing teaching still playing playing with Paul and doing some um producing still as well so um yeah there's some flexibility for me on the weekends to to still do some traveling as well that's great you got a great yeah super talented great team of people who lead man so you know I'm just I'm just one of one of several who are on board here and and I'm curious too in this in this digital age because I'm finding that as I record a lot of stuff I'm uh, I end up sharing it through Dropbox or whatever with other musicians, and we'll add different parts. How much of your recording, say when you're doing an album now, do you usually do like you go in with the band and do it all together at once? Or are there times when you like maybe you're recording some stuff at home on Pro Tools and you send it in uh, with something that they've already recorded? Does that ever happen for you? Yeah, certainly. Uh, if I'm just playing guitar on a, on a project for someone, That'll happen all the time where they'll send me a you know a track to play through, bass and drums or whatever they have thus far, and I'll add guitar parts and then send those wave files back to them over yeah either Dropbox or you send it. Um, so that that's really common. If I'm producing an album, usually I'll do band tracks together, like get get four or five people in a room playing together. I think I, I mean I piece songs together bit by bit too, but I think there's something that can definitely happen 
that you that you uh, when you have five people in a room just playing music together that you can miss out on if everything's always pieced together. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's when I when when I can do that, I do that. But certainly, I've done songs too where it's like let's get bass and drums, and then we'll just do everything kind of separated out. Um, but yeah, certainly the file sharing thing, man, has made it made it so easy. I was just doing a guitar session last week on a project for a guy up in Minneapolis. Um, I don't even think he knew that I moved down here, <laughs> but he, <laughs> he contacted me and said, man, can I send you some tracks to, to do some recording work on? And it was, you know, just with the ease of sending files, it was like, sure, no problem. Wow. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So then he asked me to play in his release concert in Minneapolis here in a few weeks. And I was like, you know, I moved halfway across the country. I don't think he, I don't think you knew that this whole time. <laughs> so. That's amazing. Well, yeah. and I, I'm finding that even even with guys local here, I'll do a lot in my um, home studio here on Pro Tools, but I don't have the world's greatest vocal mic. But a friend of mine that lives, you know, 15, 20 miles away has a really great studio with some great mics. And so like Monday night, I did exactly that. I, I took a, a hard drive over. We plugged in what I'd done, and then I recorded vocals there. And I'm just like, I love, I kind of love the age we live in where we can just do that, you know, nope, and, and be able to just kind of share things like that and just be able to create. So uh, I, I wonder how many people in the in the days to come, you know, I wonder how many people now that are kind of independent artists have ever recorded a project with a full band in the room. It's been a long time since I've got a chance to do that. Um, but yeah. But that's just really cool. Thanks for uh, for sharing that information. I think that's something that intrigues me, and I'm always interested. And I know a lot of the listeners that are are out there, a wide variety of people listening, are always kind of interested to find out how that works. So that's cool. Yeah, man. Yep. So. Well, real quick, I want to make a, a quick plug that doesn't have anything to do with you, Ben, real quick. But before I close the podcast down today, I just want to remind our listeners that um, right now uh, there's 29 days left of my Kickstarter project that uh, I'm trying to put out my very first book called Out of the Depths. It is a companion book to the Basement Psalms Live uh, project that I did. So if you listeners out there have some extra cash and you want to uh, ha- add a book to your collection, make sure to go to Kickstarter, look up Out of the Depths. So you can just go to my website at rickleyjames.com. Better yet, you can uh, download the Rickley James app for your iPhone, and you'll be able to collect all the information there that you need and find out more about what's going on. Uh, so while I'm giving out information, Ben, is there any information or any upcoming stuff that you would like people to know about you that you're working on right now? Uh, well, I'm doing a couple conferences with Paul this fall that are still open for for checking out. Uh, we do it's it's basically a, a 24-hour intensive conference where we'll, we'll do a concert Friday night with an open sound check for registrants. And then Saturday, we do breakout classes on all the instruments, guitar, drums, bass, keyboards. Uh, we do a band workshop. They, they've been really cool events. And we, we uh, Paul's been keeping the cost down on them quite a bit to try to get uh, band players to come out to a lot of conferences, not to pick on any one of them, but they can be pretty, pretty pricey to come out to and and Paul's vision for this was to keep the price down so the whole teams could come together. So I think it's like 49 bucks for registration. You can check out leadworship.com uh, for more details. We're doing events in Calgary uh, this weekend. St. Louis coming up. We'll be in Seattle in November. So check out Paul's website to to uh, if you're interested in that. 
And and I can vouch these are fantastic workshops to be a part of. So uh, if you listening out there and you've got a praise team, if you can take the whole team, please do. I got to bring most of ours this year whenever Paul and the band came to Cedarville, and uh, it was worth it. I just wrote a report to our church board today, just saying how much our people, you know, I think learned a lot from that and really enjoyed it and came away refreshed. So uh, it certainly, if you're in the area and can be a part of that, go to leadworship.com and and try to get to one of those workshops there fantastic so well sorry i didn't mean to cut you off we had a little delay there oh no problem well yeah i was just gonna say and then as far as albums man if if you if you're not familiar with sarah grove's music the collection is uh it's just a great uh, collection of her songs from from her whole history of being an artist and uh just couldn't recommend her songwriting more just amazing one one of my favorite songwriters for sure so that's that's a project that i've worked on recently that i would I would encourage people to check out. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, after we hang up here, I'm going to close the podcast out by playing a song off that project so people can hear it. And, uh, and But I, I recommend it. It's a really good album. So, Well, Ben Gal, thank you so much for being one of the voices in my head today. Good to talk to you, Rick. Take care, man.
listening to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. And I'd love this to be a community experience. So if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback, you can give me suggestions for future shows, you can even record comments that I can play on the next podcast. So let's make this something really great together. 937-505-0162. Thank you so much for listening to Voices in My Head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. God bless.